So we are going to pray and we're going to combine our prayers with a variety of things today. Before we begin, we like to pray, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to start with this Shabbat, as I had mentioned, is the 17th anniversary of our podcast, Messianic Jewish Teachings. It was one of the first Jewish podcasts in the world, actually. We were one of the early podcasts on um, iTunes. Before we even knew what a podcast was, we had one. And we're thankful that the Lord made it possible for us to share the good news of Messiah with people all over the world, and that at last count, we have reached more than 100 countries, and we, as I mentioned earlier, have had over 15 million podcast listens and live stream and video views since that came online. And so this is the 17th anniversary of the podcast, and podcast ministry. It's really quite wonderful. I'm thankful to my outstanding wife, I have only one wife, and she's outstanding, <laughs> Sandy, for the many ways that she has helped me develop and sustain the podcast ministry, and she's helped envision it and also helped prepare for it, and she is a great coach, and I can tell you without her, I probably would not have stuck with this ministry. It's not so easy. And Sandy, whenever you hear this, I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you, my love. And I want to also do something that uh, goes back to 1976, folks. In 1976, I was the host and producer of a radio talk show, and that's when I was preparing to get married and working through the issues about whether I would get married or not. And so I used this radio talk show to discuss issues that really applied to me. And there was a certain point where I was ready. And so Sandy actually wanted me to propose to her live on the air <laughs> during the talk show. And I was 21 years old. I was a little nervous about doing that. And I didn't do it. Yeah. And so, finally, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to propose right now. <laughs> Sandy, my beloved, will you marry me? <laughs> Here's the good news. She already said yes. For many years when we would travel, people would come up to us and you know, just take note of the fact that we enjoyed being together. And I would smile at whoever told me that, and I would say, well, we're newlyweds. And in almost every case, the person would say, I knew it. And I would say, yeah, we've just been married 43 years. 
or more. You know, it just depended on the year. And so they were really surprised because not everyone who's married is happily married, but I'm happily married. So I love my wife. She loves me. That's a good thing. Back to the podcast and the live stream. (laughs) You know, this podcast is connected to the faithful and the fantastic work of so many people. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's helped get this off the ground and sustain it, make it better and better over the years. Thank you also to all of our podcast listeners and the live stream viewers who are now with us. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your generosity. And um, we just really appreciate the, the ways that you stand with us. And so at our ONAG today, we're going to have a special podcast ministry, 17th anniversary birthday celebration with wings and macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah. And cake. Lots of cake, yeah. So I hope you can join us in person for that. All of you who are listening by podcast later, just smack your lips in imagination. Those of you who are joining us by live stream right now and you're saying, oh, if only I were at synagogue today. I could say, write me personally and send me a self address box and I'll send you a piece of cake, but I'm not going to send you a piece of cake. It's too much. But I really do want to take a moment also to express my gratitude to everyone who has connected with us by text or by email or, or through notes that you've sent who have been communicating solidarity with us and with the people of Israel. Your solidarity really does strengthen our hearts and it means so much to us. I want to thank you for that. And I want to encourage you to check in with your Jewish friends and family and see how they're doing. If you don't know what to say, just ask them, how are you doing? And, and explore. It means so much when you express your love to people. It makes all the difference to get the support. We really need it. And we value it. And so I would encourage you to be one of those voices, one of those people who shows support because we're living in a time when there's a surprising number of people who Jews thought were with us who aren't. And so it really makes a difference when you stand together with us. Thank you for taking the time to do that. I want to tell you a funny story I heard this morning from Barbara Scutt. She and her husband, Dr. Chuck, were on a cruise in the Mediterranean. They were going to Israel, but they couldn't because of the circumstances, so they were in different parts of the Mediterranean. But their luggage never arrived. Yeah. And so they had to make do. And part of the solution that that Barb was telling me about is they went to the shop, one of the shops on the ship, ship shop, and the ship shop had um, 
Israel t-shirts. And so they got several, and that's what they wore most of the time. And here's what was interesting. Dozens of people came up to them and expressed um, something good and encouraging. And one person even said something like, I didn't know whether you were just uninformed or courageous. <laughs> and it wasn't uninformed, folks. It's, it's courage. And so this was an example of something that, that was unplanned and something that was, uh, was difficult, not having your stuff with you, and then having an interesting solution that enabled the Scots to stand with Israel during this time in the Mediterranean. And I am so encouraged that they did that and I'm encouraged as well that dozens of people came to them to express support and encouragement to them. And it just goes to show that it's worth it to stand up and to be counted. So let's get on with some Torah study now. All of that's actually preparation for the Torah readings today. I want to tell you something that spiritual battles often accompany spiritual blessings. Blessings and battles, you could say, go together. Battles and blessings, you take your pick. We read this week in Genesis 25, verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord heard his prayer, and his wife Rebecca conceived. That was a blessing. Verse 22 But the children inside her, oh, I got to stop for a moment and just make a remark. What was inside of her? Aha, uh -huh. remember that. The children inside her struggled with each other. And she said, why is this happening to me? And so Rebecca went to inquire of the Lord, and he declared to her, two nations, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So there you have the battle. You have the blessing. And then you have the battle. That's just one example of many that we can think of when blessings are accompanied by battles. Now take note of something. The struggles between these siblings is one kind of struggle. It is different than the struggle between Ishmael and Isaac. That's a different struggle. The struggle that's playing out right now has a spiritual dimension and a natural dimension. The Arab people are not understood to be descended from Esau, but rather from Ishmael and some other people groups that have merged together. But it just goes to show that there are times when it's difficult for the families to get along. So, Blessings and battles. I have a friend who has a, 
has a radio show called Blessings and Bagels, Bagels and Blessings. This is a little different, Battles and Blessings. I want to tell you that our lives are going to reflect this as well, that with blessings come battles. But I want to tell you some good news, that your heart for God and your willingness to keep seeking his face and your determination to follow him, they actually grow strong in the face of these battles. And there are times when we develop what I call unstoppable tenacity. Isaac had unstoppable tenacity. We see it this week, Genesis 26, starting in verse 1, a famine came over the land, not the same as the first famine which had taken place when Abraham was alive. Isaac went to Gerar, to Avimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him. That's verse 2. That's interesting because the word that's translated appear from the Hebrew means something very straightforward and simple. It means the Lord appeared. He became visible. He could be seen. He could be heard. And he said, don't go down into Egypt, but live where I tell you. Stay in this land and I'll be with you and bless you because I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants. Now, that's still controversial. You can see that the Lord is promising not just to Abraham, but to Isaac, not just to Isaac, but to Jacob, not just to Jacob, but to Jacob's descendants, this land that they're in. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give all these lands to your descendants, and by your descendants, all the nations of the earth will bless themselves. All this is because Abraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. He followed my commandments, my regulations, and my teachings. Take note, this is pre-Sinai. So the Lord says to Isaac, stay put, but remember, the Lord had told Abraham to go down to Egypt during the famine. So it's a fact that sometimes the Lord says, go, and sometimes the Lord says, stay put. Now, if you're one of those antsy people, and the only thing you like to do is run away, then anytime you're in a difficult situation, that may be your conditioned response. You're going to flee. And here's the problem, as one old friend told us. Everywhere she went to, she found she was still there. And so all of her problems went with her. So sometimes the Lord says go. Sometimes the Lord says stay put. So what's the principle for us? And the principle, I think, is revealed in verse 5. Abraham heeded the Lord. He listened to what I said, and he did what I told him to do. That's how the Lord puts it. So there you have this principle that when there are times of uncertainty or decision-making, seek the Lord, let him guide you in your decision. Let him guide you through your situation and listen to him, heed what he says, 
do what he tells you to do. Abraham listened, he learned, and he applied what he learned. And so Isaac listens. Isaac doesn't just do the outward thing that his father did, move to Egypt in a famine, but rather he did the important thing that his father did. He sought the Lord. And then he allowed the Lord to guide him, and he took the guidance seriously. Isaac listened, and he stayed put. Then let's go to verse, or chapter 26, verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that land and reaped that year a hundred times as much as he had sowed. Adonai blessed him. The man became rich and prospered more and more until he had become very wealthy indeed. He had flocks, he had cattle, and a large household. What a life, huh? Now he's on easy street, right? wrong. He had flocks, cattle, and a large household. There's the blessing. Let's read the rest of verse 14. And the Philistines, what does it say? Envied him. Oh, there's the battle. Just because God blesses you does not mean that everyone around you is going to feel happy for you. Confelicity is a great word. It means to find joy in someone else's blessing and success. That is not what the Philistines felt. The Philistines envied. Let's read again verse 14. Isaac had flocks, cattle, and a large household, and the Philistines envied him. Now, there are different forms of envy. One is, I don't want you to have what you do have. Another is, I want what you have. Another is, I just wish I had what you have. And then the last form that I'll mention is, I will take what you have. And so you've got just a kind of emotional envy, then you've got covetousness, and then you've got stealing. They're all connected to each other, which is why the Scripture teaches us not to covet and not to steal. Because covetousness may be hidden from view, from other people's views, but it's alive in people's hearts. It may work in many insidious ways. Well, the Philistines had a complicated kind of envy. Let's read about how it manifests. Verse 15, the Philistines had stopped up and filled with dirt all the wells Isaac's father's servants had dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father. That's an interesting one. That's like, you've got water. We don't want you to have water. We're going to stop up everything so you don't have any water. We know this, that wells are important. It's where you get water. And reliable wells are really important. And there was a famine going on, so water's really important. And the Philistines stop up and fill up the wells that Abraham's workers had dug. The Philistines did not want Abraham's family to have water. Verse 16, 
Avimelech, king of the Philistines, said to Isaac, you must go away from us because you become much more powerful than we are. So there you see the mindset. The mindset is, we don't want you here, you're too powerful. It did not occur to the Philistines that they could learn something and be blessed by learning from Isaac and from what he was doing. They only saw him as a threat. Verse 17, and so Isaac left. He set up camp in Wadi Gerar, and he lived there. So Isaac moved. He, he moved and put some space between himself and them. Then verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells which had been dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father, the ones the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And this is a new detail. And called them by names his father had used for them. So Isaac goes to work, and he's willing to put in the effort, and he is remembering what his father had organized. He remembers the places and he remembers the names of the wells. Verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the wadi and uncovered a spring of running water. What a blessing. Yes? Then verse 20, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, claiming that water is ours. And so he called the well Essek, which means quarrel, because they quarreled with him. So there's the battle. In this case, they're saying, it's not yours, it's ours. Verse 21, so then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one too. So he called it sitna, which means enmity. So again, you've got blessing and battle. Verse 22, so Isaac went away from there and dug yet another well, and over that one they didn't quarrel. So he called the place Rechovot, wide open space, and said, because now Adonai has made room for us, we will be productive in the land. So now there's a blessing, but the battles have stopped for the time being. Isaac was willing to keep moving and to keep working and to keep doing what was necessary in order to have a peaceful situation. Adonai blessed Isaac, but he still had to face conflict. He still had to face battle and resistance. But we know something about Isaac. Isaac was committed to the legacy that Abraham had passed on to him, and he valued what Abraham had done, and he valued what Abraham had given him as an inheritance, and he connected his present life with the life of Abraham. As well, he connected his present life with a good future that the Lord had promised, not just to Abraham, but to Isaac as well. I want to connect this passage with the twin brothers Jacob and Esau. There's an important point of contrast between Jacob and Esau. Esau did not value the legacy. He didn't value his birthright. Jacob did value the legacy, and he valued the birthright. 
And ultimately, Esau lost the inheritance and Jacob gained it. So Jacob was like his father Isaac in that he valued the inheritance as Isaac had. Isaac valued the legacy, he honored the inheritance, he remembered where all the wells were, he remembered their names. He had unstoppable tenacity. He put effort into unstopping the wells. He kept going from place to place, unstopping the wells. And think about the details. He had to know what the places were. He had to remember them. And you cannot remember what you never knew. So he paid attention. He remembered and recalled what Abraham had done. He paid attention to the names of the wells. And I think it's such a great lesson for young people. Pay attention now. Because if you do pay attention when you need it later, you'll be able to remember. And if you don't pay attention now, you won't even know that you were exposed. And when you need it, you won't have what you need, and you won't even know what you are missing. Life will just be confusing to you. So Isaac remembered, and he was committed and I think it's just such a great example. He was also committed to the work that was necessary. He had to unstop the wells. That was hard work, and he had to know how to get it done. He had to have the discipline to work hard. Not everybody can work hard. Not everybody will work hard. It's an affliction to be lazy. It's an affliction to not have stamina to work and to keep working and to do what's necessary and to adjust to changing circumstances. Isaac was committed. He had determination. He had resolve. That is tenacity. And there's a good English word that is worth remembering, grit. G-R-I-T. Not to be confused with that southern dish. <laughs> Grits. That is the southern version of tofu. It's this flavorless <laughs> cereal that southerners add butter and sugar and what have you to. Those of you who are not from the south, you may not know what grits are, so I'm just trying to explain it to you. But grit is what I'm talking about. Grit. It is such a valuable character trait. And I'll tell you why. It multiplies the power of other character traits. When you have grit and love, you can do more. When you have grit and generosity, you can do more. There's so much that you can do if you have grit. If you give up quickly and easily, you will never develop all the abilities and all the blessings that God has in mind for you. Now, Isaac also had another commitment. He was ready to do new work when it was needed. There's an old book worth recalling called Who Moved the Cheese? 
If you ever read that, wait, raise your hand, nod your head. Some of you know that the, the basic story is about some mice and the cheese got moved and they kept going back to the old place and that did not help. The few mice that went to the new place where the cheese was, they found the cheese. They had a good future. And many people are, are like those mice. When the cheese gets moved, they don't change anything. But we know that life and life circumstances change. Sometimes for the better, sometimes not. And we have to be ready to do new work under new circumstances. Isaac was ready. He faced opposition, so what did he do? He moved on, and he didn't abandon the assignment that God had given him, stay here, stay put. He worked within the parameters that God gave him. He stayed put. He did not go down to Egypt. He stuck with it. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. And so it's a good example. Where does God want us? Where does he want you? That's a boundary for you. Don't try to make another place work for you just because it's difficult. And so you might say, but what about the difficulty? And I'm going to tell you the simple answer. It just comes with the territory. It comes with the life. Everyone who decides to follow the Lord will have difficulty. That's it. This is why I'm not on television. Because it's much more popular to say everything's going to be fine. I want to tell you something different. Everything's going to be fine because you made it through difficulty. And you had the determination and the tenacity and you were unstoppable. You had the resilience and the flexibility and the willingness to keep going. That's why it's going to be fine, because you're going to get through the trouble. You're going to get through the challenges. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, The godly may trip and fall down seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Falling down seven times, just think about that means that person had to get up the first six times. And then they got up again on the seventh time. That is tenacity. If you have been knocked down in life, not one time, not two times, not three times, not four times, not five times, but six times, seven times or more, and you got back up, you know what? Congratulations. You've got tenacity. The proverb says it. They get up again. Getting up again is part of being unstoppable. Getting up again is part of tenacity. And when you get up, you've got to be ready to work. You've got to shake it off, whatever happened. It, take, it takes time, depending on how hard it was. But we've got to work our way through the difficulty and keep moving with the Lord. We've got to use our intelligence. We've got to use our determination to make good decisions that still fit in with what God has told you. Isaac had a, such commitment 
that he kept moving forward until he came to a place where he was free to live in God's shalom. You know, the, Israel tried to do that with Gaza years ago and eventually just moved out of Gaza. No Jews in Israel. I mean, no Jews in Gaza. No Israeli Jews in Gaza thinking, we'll just give them their space. Let them do with it what they will. Hoping that that would lead to peace. It didn't. But I can tell you, Isaac kept moving forward. And he came to that place where he was free to live in God's shalom. And I think that represents Isaac's attitude. He had a Kadima attitude. Forward. He wasn't stuck. There is a battle that is worth fighting so that you can get to the place of shalom. It's a valuable lesson for us. This blessing requires faith and faithfulness. And I want to remind you of something that's really very important. The Lord will not leave you or forsake you even when it's tough. So be strong and courageous. That's what the scriptures say. And I want you to take this blessing to heart. It's from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 57. May the Lord our God be with us. May he never leave us or forsake us. Yeshua says that. I'll never leave or forsake you. He wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. God wants to bless you. And he will help you. He just wants you to heed what he tells you to do. So stay put, live in the place where he tells you to be, and he will help you navigate through all the challenges. And at some point in your life, you will have victory over a delusion. The delusion is, I did what the Lord told me to do now, and forevermore, it's going to be easy. That is a delusion. The hope is good. The hope, though, is a hope that springs from within you that's from eternity. It's eternity calling out to you. But I want to say it again, that your heart for God and your willingness to keep seeking his face and your determination to follow him, no matter what the difficulty, all three of these grow strong in the face of battles. If you wonder how to get strong in those areas, it's go through battles and come through them with victory. The battles build heart. The battles build willingness. The battles build determination. All of that helps us better understand the story of Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob. Isaac valued the legacy the inheritance given to him, Isaac's son Esau did not value that legacy. He dishonored his father because he considered the inheritance to be worthless or insignificant. How does the Bible tell that story? He traded the birthright for Bolosu. Esau considered his birthright to be almost worthless or insignificant. It was worth one bowl. Isaac's other son, Jacob, didn't value the did value the legacy. 
He honored his father in this way. He honored the covenant. He honored the promises that God had made to Abraham and, and Isaac. And sometimes you really can't understand people and their behavior if you don't pay attention to what they value and what they consider worthless. I'll say it another way. Sometimes people's behavior can only be rightly interpreted when we see what they value and what they consider worthless. So my heart and my prayer, I want to value the legacy that God has given me through my family, through the family of faith. And I say, let's keep digging wells. Let's unstop wells that got stopped up. Let's dig new wells when we need them. If we're satisfied with all the wells we have, let's dig some more. If we end up having too much, let's share it with others. You know that the national anthem of Israel is Hatikva. It means the hope. And that hope is part of our legacy. And we're going to show you a clip of a video in just a moment. There is a prayer in the Passover Haggadah. Almost every Haggadah has it. The Maxwell House Haggadah. Famous American Haggadah. Has it, I'll, I'll read to you several versions of it. It's called Vahi Shamda. Here's one translation. It is that promise which has been the support of our ancestors and of ourselves, for not only one has risen up against us, but in every generation. Some have arisen against us to annihilate us, but the most holy, blessed be he, always delivered us out of their hands. Another translation. This is the promise that sustained our fathers and us, that it is not just one enemy alone that stood up against us to destroy us, but that in each generation there are those standing up against us to destroy us, but the Holy One, HaKadosh, Baruchu, the Holy One, blessed be He, saves us from their hand. HaKadosh, Baruchu, Matzilenu, Mi Adam. Let's dim the lights. We're going to show you just a clip of this prayer song.
So we're holding on to that hope, and if you are watching what the people are doing in Israel, if you watch the March for Israel this week, then you will hear this prayer over and over and over again, because the Jewish people are committed to unstoppable tenacity, because the Lord has unstoppable tenacity, because Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob had unstoppable tenacity. That is our legacy. That's what we're called to be. We're not those who give up. We're not those who give in. We hold on to the hope. In the face of opposition, we prepare ourselves for the hard work. We keep tender hearts, but hands that are ready to work, and we don't give up. Why? Because the Lord, the Holy One, blessed is He, will save us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will do His part. We do our part. And we count His faithfulness. And we count this tenacity as a real treasure. And so let's take it to heart. Let's also be glad that 200,000, maybe even 290,000 people gathered in solidarity in Washington this week, standing together for Israel, calling for freedom for the hostages, standing against anti-Semitism. That was an example of unstoppable tenacity. We pray with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I'll not be afraid, what can man do to me? And we'll remember Romans 2.7. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and eternal life that God offers. Lord, we thank you that you're faithful to our people Israel. We pray for those in the IDF who are defending our people in the state of Israel, and we pray for safety, we pray for success, we pray for protection, we pray for wisdom. We thank you that you continue to open up their hearts during this time. We pray for all the hostages, deliver the hostages from their captors, bring freedom to those who have been taken captive. Lord, we lift up all the families of the hostages, the families of the soldiers, the families of those who were murdered in the Hamas pogrom. And we pray for healing and for comfort for those in mourning 
in the name of Yeshua. And let us all say, Amen. We're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please stand? Those of you who are online, thanks for being with us. Those of you on podcast, thanks for joining with us later. Would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving for all the details. You can find out the information about our online giving platforms, giving fire and PayPal, and our mailing address for checks and your bank bill pay services. And thanks to everyone who's contributed to our Israel Emergency Fund. And now let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha Yisad Adonai panavelecha v'yaselmecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us and happy 17th anniversary and birthday podcast. Shabbat shalom, everyone.